You're listening to the Thought Junkie Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Max. And welcome to the inaugural episode of the Thought Junkie Podcast. I'm excited to be here. How about you? Uh, this is pretty incredible, man, how we get to do this. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. So uh, just to probably uh, start off everything, we should go over the uh, the state of the cast and uh, kind of what our one-minute lowdown for what this is supposed to be. Uh, personally, I consider this a deep dive on anything and everything. Nothing's off limits, and uh, how much we decide to talk about it and apply certain uh, reasoning and thought to it is uh, is relatively endless. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, dude. That's we're we're here to talk about interesting stuff, man. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I decided to kick off the first episode with something that I've been intrigued about for years. And that is futuristic technology. And not I'm not talking about spaceships and some Star Wars level stuff, even though some stuff gets pretty sci-fi. All right, yeah. But I've come to surprise you with five revolutionary pieces of technology that are borderline science fiction. All right. And we're going to break each one of those down. And I want to hear especially your thoughts being a history guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. Seeing how you can apply those, you know, uh, that historical mindset to something that's budding and hasn't even left the lab yet. All right, cool. Let's do it. All right, so in no particular order, I have these picked out, right? But I'm going to read a headline to you uh, from uh, the MIT Technology Review. Oh. Uh, the headline is, This company embeds microchips in its employees, and they love it. So the lowdown about what this company is doing is they have a microchip implanted in their hand between their index finger and their thumb. Right. And that is used as their fob to enter and exit the building. It's used for... Uh, logins for computers and laptops and uh, their company systems. Mm-hmm. It's also even used to buy chips and drinks at vending machines. Uh, so it's literally your entire livelihood, something you'd have on an ID badge inside your body. So the first thing that comes to mind when I hear about this is no. <laughs> I don't want anybody putting a chip in my hand. That's, that's a little... Like, yeah, I can unlock my laptop, but what can they unlock in me? <laughs> well, so so here's the thing, because this has actually attracted a lot of skeptical, uh, you know, spotlight here. Right, yeah. Uh, the main issue is that people are uh, speculating what type of information they can take from you. Right. Uh, and also the fact that you have a piece of your employer's property inside your body. What happens if you quit? <laughs> right, yeah. So, uh to address one or two of these things, uh, I will say that uh, in terms of technology, these are built to be real small and specialized. Yeah, so yeah. these are uh, meant mostly for convenience, not extracting things like your blood pressure. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> you don't want to be that guy who's like, hey, boss, I'm sick. And then your boss Googles you on, the, on his little uh, his laptop. You're not like, sick, bro. <laughs> I'm checking your vitals right now. Get your ass to work. You are a liar. <laughs> so, uh, so as of right now, this technology can't do any of that. Right, yeah. Uh, right. And then also the other part, too, is you know the removal uh, of it from your body. You mm-hmm. have a choice to remove it or not. It's apparently a very simple process. Right, yeah. Uh, and out of the 50 people that have test ran uh, this product, including the CEO, right. only two of them have had it removed. And those are because they left the company. Okay, so you can't sell these little bastards if you want to like, if you want to like quit, like no call, no show, quit, <laughs> just sell it. <laughs> I mean, I I was thinking the same thing. I won't lie. <laughs> like, let's say you're working at like the Pentagon, right? Or, oh no. <laughs> 
and this technology is uh, is applied there. <laughs> They'll hunt you down. Uh, <laughs> well, the thing is, like, when you have a key fob to uh, to go work somewhere, because I had a key fob at my old job, mm-hmm. all they do is their IT department just deactivates it. It's okay. no longer working. Gotcha. So let's say you quit and you go rogue, right? You go rogue, okay. They're just cutting you off. Some strong language there. <laughs> so they're just cutting you off. Right, yeah, 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 I got you. No. Well, I mean, I mean, there's got to be some value in like that platinum and copper. You know, the little stuff that the, the mm-hmm. microchip itself has to be made up of. That's why like... People, you know, people are interested in finding a way to harvest stuff from space because it's all precious metals. That's what a lot of these this modern technology is made up of. Yep, yep. So I mean, I mean, granted, the other thing too is it's small. I mean, you're talking about less than the size of a grain of rice uh, in oh, terms of facts, size. Yeah. So it's uh, the technology alone, the micro technology that goes into it. Yeah. Immaculate. It's top of the line stuff. Wow. And I mean, potential applications for this could be, I mean, at any uh, site of employment. I mean, you'll go in there on your first day, you'll get chipped. Right. And you don't have to worry about leaving your keys at home. Get chipped. <laughs> <laughs> that still sounds weird to you, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and you said you wouldn't do it. I, you know, it's not that I wouldn't do it. But look, I, for the right job, I would do it. I would not do it if I was working at Subway. <laughs> I would not get chipped if I was working at Subway. But if I was working at, like, the Pentagon, like you said, or some, you know, like uh, Google or Apple yeah. or some, you know, Fortune 500 company, I'd get chipped, you know, because you can chip uh, me all I want. I'm getting that check, you know what I mean? Hey, I, I can see you at, like, a Subway. Like, <laughs> somebody brings out a big old syringe, and you're like, hey, I'm here to sell chips, not get chipped. <laughs> That's right. So, I, to be honest with you, I would do it, though, no matter where I went. Interesting. I mean, so here's the thing. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think that there's anything to lose with it. My, my ideology when it comes to technology right. is that as long as it doesn't ruin uh, you know, your way of life or give you some sort of detriment okay. and there's only positives, mm-hmm. why not? I agree with that. So, uh, I mean, if even if they took my information, right, like let's say they, they, uh, they checked my blood sugar content, right? Like, great, they'll know when I eat a donut. Yeah. Like, where are they going to do that information? I mean, that, that, that's cool. <laughs> it could be useful for, like, a doctor to know that. He yeah. can text you and be like, hey, bitch, like, you can't, you can't be eating that many donuts, bro. <laughs> hey, hey, I know what you're doing here. You fat as hell, boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that, though. Uh so, I mean, I don't think that they can take that information yet, but yeah. even if they could, I'd still be okay with it. Right. I got you. So, that's about where the line's drawn with me. So, microchipping, yes for me. You know, I'm going to say under the right circumstances, it's going to get a yes for me as well. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that the uh, right now the technology is what's holding it back. It's not easily replicable. And yeah. It's really advanced, and it could even be patented or, uh, you know, there could be some protections on it, but... Let's say this technology is publicized. Right. I could see, especially tech companies, uh, like uh, the company that is mentioned in the article being the main proprietors and the, the people who push this agenda forward. Hmm. I mean, and then take it even further, man. Look at subways. Look at, like, uh, the CTA in Chicago. Like, you can have all your means of transportation just chipped inside of you. It's like Apple Pay, but in your hand. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I I can see that though. And the thing is, Apple Pay 
And uh, even things like Bitcoin and digital uh, pockets like Venmo, those are really successful. Yeah. I mean, imagine transferring money with a handshake. Oh. Like if, if you put Bluetooth compatibility. What if somebody ties you up and shakes your hand, though? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Big loss. <laughs> like, like, hey, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need all of you. We just need your hand. That's right. No. But, um, oh, that got dark. <laughs> that got dark real quick. People start taking hands to get money. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, come on now. This is going to be like the mafia all over again. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm also thinking, too, uh, the, the main concern with this mm-hmm. is that these aren't built for security, too. So that if you have some sort of uh, uh, piece of technology that convinces uh, something like uh, they have certain hotspots okay. that mimic your home Wi-Fi and your phone automatically connects to it as if it was your home Wi-Fi and it can track what you're doing and stuff like that. Okay. These aren't built for security. So people are worried that because of their small size, they sacrifice something like security and they can take information from you right, and potentially, yeah. you know, take your credit card information too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so what you're saying is, is that they're not like, so let's take an example would be like the Apple Watch. The first series Apple Watch not necessarily, didn't necessarily have uh, data capabilities. So like, yeah, link up, like you receive calls and uh, those kinds of things off of Wi-Fi, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh so are you saying it's like that or it's like the Apple Watch 3 where you can like do everything from the watch with your phone in your pocket? So uh, it looks to me like, like it's based off of uh, proximity and, uh, you know, working on the company's Wi-Fi. Okay, so, it's a, so yeah, it's a hotspot, like you said, yeah. hotspot type thing. So, okay. uh, I mean, as of right now, the security risk is minimized because uh, mm-hmm. when you're going around and you're buying a bag of chips with your company you know, ID, not yeah. even your own personal credit card, right. what's a hacker going to take from you? They're going to be able to buy, you know, fucking pretzels yeah, from your company yeah. vending machine right? Yeah. and then maybe get inside if they have their own chip that they can put the data on. So, right, okay. So they even if someone wanted for some reason to hack into your hand. Yeah, um, <laughs> which they, sounds so weird. Yeah, that's, no, but that's where we're headed with all this technology. But um, if someone wanted to hack in, into your hand potentially, then they would uh, they'd have to first access the company's Wi-Fi. It, yeah, yeah, it just sounds like too much work. For someone malicious, there's not going to be any big villain scheme here with this type of technology. Well, you'd be surprised with what people can do. I mean, I... With people or the CIA? I'm talking about people. <laughs> I mean, there have been, uh, like, hackers and people that, uh, like, like work... I, I watch a YouTube series called The Modern Rogue. Okay. And they have a series where they bring this uh, professional hacker on, and she explains how to use different types of technology. And one, like I explained earlier, is literally it looks like a drone. If you had clipped its wings, it has four antennae instead of uh, wings. Okay. And literally it, it can find out what hotspots you've previously con- been connected to or what Wi-Fi Ooh. signals you've been connected to on your phone. Wow. And then kind of like uh, like an octopus or a chameleon, it can transform its makeup to mimic your home Wi-Fi, so your oh, phone automatically connects to it, or even something like a Starbucks wow. Wi-Fi. So are you getting you, into AI then with that? I mean, we can, but I, I'm mostly talking about, uh, I mean, simple code to mimic uh, a Starbucks hotspot. I mean, imagine bringing that bad boy in your car wow. 
And you can, if someone connects to Starbucks Wi-Fi automatically, yeah. which they've done multiple times, right. you now have access to their web browsing history. This oh. can pull up images. This can pull up websites you've been to, information you put inside boxes. So let's say something as innocent as you going to Starbucks after work right. and you're ordering a T-shirt on Amazon. It can find out exactly what you're ordering, what address it's delivered to, and your credit card information. Whoa. And that's something that regular people can build. Not even build, purchase. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's not beyond the realm of possibility. At least in the United States, man. You can get a military-level assault rifle in this country. (laughs) You can get whatever you need here. (laughs) Yeah, but but people don't think about the the digital world and the dangers of that. I mean, because it's it's one thing to, to purchase something that's inherently deadly. Mm-hmm. You can purchase one item that can, you know, jeopardize people's livelihoods. I mean, what if someone's doing their, okay, th- this might be stupid. Someone's doing their taxes at okay. Starbucks, yeah. you know, got off of work, going to do some tax money stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and they go and plug in their social security number. Hacker has their social security number. I'll, I'll do respect. That person is a dumbass for doing their taxes on a public Wi-Fi. Oh, Let I, me go I to Panera and plug in my social security number. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just saying that same person probably writes down their, their social security number on the back of a receipt with their cell phone number to the waitress, Yo. too. <laughs> but uh, but I, I do think regardless that it, it's worth looking into, though, because, yeah. uh, I mean, granted, people have to – the, the the point of the the episode in the modern rogue is that uh, the the hacking group that she's a part of is supposed to show you the the dangers of it so you can raise awareness so that the takeaways you should be checking your Wi-Fi making sure it's legit mm-hmm. if you open up your settings even if you're auto connected and there's two Starbucks Wi-Fis you know something's kind of up interesting so uh, I worth keeping I in mind. feel like I may have seen that before man like seriously like in a, you know like a just you know being out on the town and you got Starbucks Wi-Fi 1 Starbucks Wi-Fi 2 not even that the exact same name oh that's creepy no that's not what about but but there can be other sides to that like i i have a router and it it has uh it's one of those like really expensive routers like the $700 router you okay know? i see you i like to connect to my games really quickly you oh know yeah what i mean yeah so <laughs> i got one of those really expensive routers and i have like three different domain like i got mm-hmm. you know uh, like i got number one number two and number three yeah with different speeds yeah oh they're all different speeds they can be i know i have that oh i gotta figure out how to adjust the speed regardless though yeah i mean This is technology that's made to be undetectable, though. Yeah. It's made for your phone to say, oh, this is home Wi-Fi. I should be safe here. Oh. I mean, your your phone literally keeps track of all the different Wi-Fis you've logged into so that, you know, let's say you fly to Florida and you Mm -hmm. land in an airport. Right. And you're there at a layover. Mm -hmm. Two years later, you have the same phone. You have the same layover. Mm -hmm. You'll be connected to the same Wi-Fi. Your phone will memorize that data. (sighs) Wow. So, I mean... There is that. I mean, people have talked about how much data your phone records over and over again, though. But yeah, it depends how uh, how skeptical you are of that, and you know if you even care. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that uh, that that whole Wi-Fi reconnectivity thing you were talking about. It's kind of like that that old Twitter meme with like you know you go with you go with your buddy to old girl's house and his, his Wi-Fi automatically <laughs> <laughs> logs into your girlfriend's Wi-Fi. <laughs> You're like, oh, what's going on here? Hello again, friend. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But no, that makes sense. But 
do you want to put that one to bed and move on? Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm good with that. All right. So check this out. Again, I did, I did extensive research on this. And you might have heard about this because it's been making waves in the news industry. Okay. Uh, this guy is uh, he's a Chinese scientist. Uh, his name is uh, He uh, Yangkui. If I pronounced that correctly, I may have botched is it. it. Uh, it's an X. Uh, it's H E and then oh, yeah. space J I A N K U I. He's a, a Chinese a doctor and scientist, mm-hmm. and he has successfully gene edited on humans. Oh yes, I've heard about this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so uh, again, the Spark Notes version of all of this is he pretty much edited genes on two twin girls. And yeah. made them relatively immune to HIV. And the response from the Chinese government... What does that mean? Relatively immune to HIV. <laughs> I'll have to check. I mean, granted, you can't just, like, say, hey, like... Like, you feel like you could get HIV, and, the, and the, the girls will be like, no, probably not. I mean, <laughs> like, like, I'm not sure, like, like how, you, how you check that. Right, yeah, okay. Uh, but regardless... <laughs> the relativity of your... HIV susceptibility. <laughs> yeah, it's, the article says that it just helps them resist the HIV infection, according to, you know, by slicing their genes. Oh, okay. Uh, apparently, his peers thought it was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. The Chinese uh, government and, uh, you know, those in Hong Kong are uh, cracking down on it because Smart. they are not a big fan. Yeah. Uh, I know overall he's also expected to uh, keep speaking, and there's a third baby with edited genes on the way as well. Oh, so my. He is not stopping his uh, his experiments. But they are revolutionary, for better or for worse, depending on who you ask. Interesting. So this is where you're starting to get into that creepy, you know, the creepy stuff, and the reason that you, you know, get a bunch of countries fighting in the 1940s. <laughs> You start getting into some really dark stuff here with this gene editing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nazis didn't really have access to gene editing like he does, but yeah. so they had to do it "quote unquote" the hard way. Uh-huh. But um, y- you know, like this is like this is kind of like you are crossing into a, a almost uncharted territory in a way. Exactly. This is it can get real dangerous, man. But the question is though, so. Uh, to my knowledge, gene editing and mm-hmm. this type of uh, science yeah. is banned by international law. Like you right, can't that's clone what I thought. Yeah. Right. yeah, you can't clone humans. You can't do this type of stuff uh-huh. on, on the daily. But, on the daily. <laughs> yeah, you know, you go in your backyard, you slice some genes. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the question is, what about the greater good? I mean, th- this man's... Helping children resist a deadly disease, and if this was done wide scale, HIV could be eradicated if it's not transferred person to person. Mm. And someone opts out. I mean, you have all those vaccine people in Washington right now. No, there's that controversy. Stop it with those people. I I I won't go down that rabbit hole. Measles and all these awful diseases that we tried to get rid of with vaccines, and now they're like. Yeah, I don't even want to get into that. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I mean, well, when we see the plague come back, I'm going to be worried. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but looking specifically at gene splicing, uh, I mean, the, I, again, the, the question is, 
the man's doing the world a service if done on a large scale. Do you let him continue? And that's where I look at you. Because I have I certainly have an opinion. But Okay. Yeah. So similar to our last conversation. No. It's Don't do, do not let do not let him continue to do this. But why um, not? Because, man, you, you enter some real gray areas here where, like, you can, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to make people who are, you know, resistant to HIV. We're also going to increase their height three inches. And then we're going to increase their muscle mass. And then, you know, you're going to have all these, you know, superior athletic and brain power type, you know, like mental capacity mm-hmm. humans walking around that, you know, they're looking around at everybody else and they're like, I'm resistant to HIV. I, I know I'm smarter than you. I know I'm stronger than you. Mm-hmm. You're inferior. So you're talking, you're talking about creating an entirely different species of human, dude. So you're talking about some Captain America bullshit. Yeah, but like, that's real. That's real. Yeah. That's why it's outlawed by international law. Like there, there, there are labs in, in, uh, in Britain and uh, in the United States that can do the same things. And like, you and you end up with like you cross into some really gray areas in terms of ethics and mm-hmm. those yeah. types of things. I mean, I can, I can see the benefit to it because again, what if you you know can immune make people immune to to cancer right. or even uh, you know other birth defects, uh, autism or other uh, wide scale issues that people have to deal with for the rest of their lives. And you can wipe those things out by gene editing. Right. But at the same time, you can go chemical genetical warfare on this. You can have an entire army of soldiers who were, you know, bred like they're from the fucking clone wars and star wars. (laughs) And they can, they can grow up to be, uh, immune to a certain chemical or disease. Yeah. And then when you use that on the opposing army, if they're not immune, Mm -hmm. then that is just mass casualties and without gas masks or anything like that. Yeah. You're given, that's crazy. Again, another plague to the other people, but your people are shaking it off. I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's very, but I, in regards to, uh, I want to go back to your question initially when you said, would you allow him to continue to do this? I I would not allow him to continue to do this. I would le- allow a more standardized, uh, you know, like medical corporation or maybe not corporation, but something that is under the guise of internet or under the guidance of international law and um you know, has like regulations and stuff and testing to make sure that nothing's uh nothing fishy's going on in there, you know? Yeah. I think in that case then it's definitely something that, that that is beneficial and we should actively attempt to do. You know. But the thing is with a lot of people is like they they don't care what you're doing to these babies, man. They want HIV for the <laughs> HIV protectability for themselves. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean it makes sense, but uh I I can see people certainly abusing it, but also people, I mean, this guy has it down pack, and his peers are trying to keep up, but I haven't yeah. seen any other headlines from anyone else but him. Granted, he's doing it in China where they're relatively strict about this stuff. Yeah. But let's say this guy's obviously, you know, he is a good person, it seems, because the first thing he tried to do was end HIV over make someone have, you know, another three inches of height or something. Well, that's the first thing you found out about. 
I, I see where you're going with this, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna let you harsh my. Mouth. You're not gonna take the bait, huh? No, I'm not going to. Uh, but let's say the government regulates it and says, "Hey, you can continue to do your work as long as it benefits the greater good." Right. I mean, when he starts, you know, the like gene splicing and giving people like raptor claws, <laughs> starts making some like oh, velociraptor kids or something like that by gene splicing. I mean. I think that's about where the line is at for me. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, as long as it's regulated and we have some sort of international guidelines that promote the research but betterment of mankind, mm-hmm. that's where the application is. Because if not, it spirals real quick to that example I said about the, the soldiers. I mean, you saw... Dude, let's put raptor claws in the human race. Why not? Just see what happens. To be honest, if a doctor goes, hey, you're having a kid... Do you want <laughs> you want the you want the the standard classic fingers or you want your kid to have the raptor claws for an extra, for an extra fifty bucks in the extra box fifty dollars yeah we'll go in there and we'll give your kid some raptor claws yeah then you're going to Starbucks and someone's like making your frappuccino and you have a, a raptor claw handing off your your frap to you some kid who didn't want raptor claws but now has to like live with them <laughs> his parents made that decision for him <laughs> yeah what's your name Rex. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, that's some Jurassic Park bullshit right there. It's <laughs> so, uh, but no, I, I think bottom line is is let the guy be. He's doing the right thing, but make sure to monitor that because it spirals downhill real quickly. Yeah. And plus it could be very exclusive too. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure it's universal. Definitely. I, I, I would tend to agree. All right, so I'm going to move on to the next one here. Sure thing. And we're going to go to something a little bit more innocent. Okay. Uh, and this one's something that I found pretty entertaining. And the headline for this, it's from space.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And it reads, Astronaut could be growing beans in space in 2021. So we're talking about wow. sustainable protein in space in two years. And that begs the question... What next? Because I believe that lettuce has already been grown in space. Uh, what, what are the Chinese growing on the moon? I don't know. I won't lie. Yeah, I, I they, haven't looked into that extensively. They, they planted some seeds up there, man, and they're starting to grow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the main thing, right, is uh, y- you have to put the minds of the astronauts first. You have to consider their well-being when you're looking at space travel and space colonies and stuff like that. Because if you're just growing beans and lettuce, yeah. you can't be mentally sustainable on that you can't like physically maybe mm-hmm. but in terms of keeping morale high and keeping them sane on the moon on just beans and lettuce yeah it's not gonna work so you need like, like uh, later in the article they talk about growing strawberries and diversifying what they're uh, they're doing up there even uh you know those tanks where they have fish on the bottom and yeah. they grow plants on top yeah and it yeah, self-irrigates yeah. so it's stuff like that in space colonies granted mm. You need gravity to make it totally uh, perfect, but, I mean, at the end of the day... Put a seed in the ground, it just floats out. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> the little astronaut's holding, like, a hoe or this something. This is in Illinois, man. You can't, <laughs> you can't just put seeds in the ground and expect them to stay there. We take that shit for granted. <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking about, you know, 
things that because if we can sustainably grow food in space, yeah, that lengthens the time that we can keep astronauts up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, they have to continue to be working out and going through their their training and research and whatnot. Because yeah. when you're in space, you lose bone density and muscle mass super quick. Yeah, but but I mean, with that, when you have the conversion of CO two into uh, to oxygen and you start creating an atmosphere on the moon, right? That gets us even closer and the the next step to mars is a moon colony so when you have beans in space beans in space means a lot <laughs> it, it's, it sounds silly to say beans but beans anywhere means a lot bean i'll put beans in anything man british will put beans in toast all right that, that's where we draw the line <laughs> but uh but seriously though man i i do think that Beans of all things, and this is why I pulled this headline, is because they're so full of protein. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to, like, hunt space deer. (laughs) Would you eat a space deer? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, But, I mean, you're not going to, like, you know, hunt space deer or or raise space cattle. But to get protein in space, you have to go through things like tofu and beans and stuff like that, like like meat supplements or replacements. And... uh, Beans in space, it's massive for keeping muscle mass up in space and stuff like that. And within two years, if we can have a sustainable farm on the International Space Station or some sort of colony. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the question. When you refer to space deer and space, uh, what did you say, cows, something yeah, like, like space, space livestock, Yeah. are you implying that we find these creatures or these creatures are exported from Earth onto Mars, and all of a sudden you're calling that a, a, I don't know if you want to, you could like call it like a red cow or something if it's on Mars, yeah. or like, yeah, a moon cow, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, uh, first of all, in my mind it was totally fictional, because I pictured like, <laughs> I pictured a regular cow with just like like a fishbowl on his head, like floating in space, like a jetpack. <laughs> But like, oh like that—that's where my head was at. I'm picturing like like children's cartoon, gotcha. like cow in space. Okay. Same with the deer, but <laughs> I mean, realistically, and this this may sound super like arrogant and ignorant, yeah. Not being a, a you know an astrologist or something, but we've sent dogs and you know primates to space, and they've survived to some degree, as long as it wasn't like you know. A Russian dog or something. Well, like, let's, let's, yeah, I was going to say, let's make this, what's this we, this we thing that you're saying? I'm when, saying. When you're talking about humanity, you can say we. Say I, I don't know, I don't know if like the United States, well, we don't know, we don't know what they sent up there, man. We, we don't know everything that they sent up there. I mean, there's a Tesla Roadster up there. There is, there is a Tesla Roadster. That's so bizarre. I mean. Do you think that there are people in their lifetime? I mean, there are people that are old now. Like yeah. I'm saying 70s, 80s, 90s. Right. Like, even, like, World War II vets, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they fought against Nazi Germany. Yeah. And they couldn't have even fathomed in, in their lifetime that we sent a car to space. I don't know. I think that they they probably could, if you think about it, dude. Like, the some of the, some of the technological advances in that war. Like, I think once, like people were walking down the street in London going shopping and the V2 rocket flew into London. I think they were like, okay, <laughs> this isn't World War One anymore. This isn't the Industrial Revolution. Things are different now. That came so quick and blew up a city block like that. <laughs> oh, so this is a war war. Yeah, right, yeah. 
No, but I mean, do you think about that with like the jet planes and stuff that came into service at the end of the war? I think they knew where things were going, at least people who were, you know, people like let's say fighting age people like you you mentioned people who would be older now yeah i think i I think they definitely had an idea of where things were going yeah i mean granted the other thing too is that like world war ii had so much tech that was sci-fi in that day and age yeah i mean you have people like the germans and japanese experimenting with uh certain uh chemicals and atoms that were just recently discovered Mm -hmm. working on uh you know, captured bodies and trying to revive dead cells. Yeah. Uh, that's recorded. Even the war technology, too. Like those, I don't want to say wonder weapons to make it sound like it's Call of Duty. <laughs> but, uh, but Trademark Call of Duty, Activision. <laughs> yeah, but don't, don't sue us. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking about, uh, you know, like, like jet planes that were like supersonic speeds compared to the the old fighter planes that they had before. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Spitfire plane with a propeller or a zero or something yeah. like that, a Hellcat. So I'm talking about, you know, those people that have survived through that are now seeing a second wave of ingenuity. I mean, yeah. I'd say the maybe even a third wave because the first one was, you know, all that technology that emerged through the war. Mm-hmm. The second would be maybe the space race. And, you know, uh, like during Cold War era. Yeah. You think internet now? I think internet and also the fact that we have billionaires that are sponsoring research. Like, I mean, th- th- there's a whole discussion about the, the billionaire space race. You yeah. have Jeff Bezos. You have Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have people that are going to space almost like philanthropy. But also to have the merit on their end, you know, like they're they're going for the betterment of humankind, but well, they want it to be the the Bezos space colony. I think, I think Elon is more uh, of that kind of philanthropic uh, mindset. Jeff, I don't know how I feel about Jeff, man. That's the richest man in the world. He started off selling books, dude. Like you don't get the, <laughs> you don't get to where he is by just doing things philanthropically and. So you're saying Bezos has, like, mafia ties or something. <laughs> I'm not saying Bezos has mob ties. I'm just saying there might be a mob on Mars <laughs> if it's the Bezos colony. <laughs> no, I, I want to take a step back and talk about Elon, right? Yeah. Because part of my motivation, or I think what his motivation is, mm-hmm. is he is the embodiment of, fuck it, let's do it for shits and giggles. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what? Because you saw him, uh, or I'm not sure if you saw, yeah. he was selling dirt bricks. And instructions to make a medieval castle out of dirt bricks. Really? Yeah. And he sold. I mean, even the, the oh, flamethrower that he are sold. so dumb. He, dude, he sold a flamethrower. And then yeah. the FTC goes, hey, you can't be selling flamethrowers to people online for like 200 bucks. <laughs> he titles it not a flamethrower. Yeah, he puts a sticker on it. He goes, hey. This is a flame propulsion device. Yeah, it's Use just, it at your own risk. Uh, what is it? It's essentially, it's a tool that's actually, you, it's something that you can buy at like Lowe's, but they just put like an airsoft gun cover on it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's the embodiment I see of like, you know, for shits and giggles. Like the, on the surface, he wants to send his car to space and he wants it to play David Bowie until it dies. Land. Okay. <laughs> uh, seriously, if you haven't heard about that, no, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the the figure that they have inside the Roadster is mm-hmm. called Starman, and he's playing David Bowie on the car stereo in space. You think they listen to a lot of David Bowie in South Africa? You know that's where he's from. Oh, really? Yeah, he's South African. 
that's that's cool you, dude you don't you don't sound like you you don't you don't have that kind of accent growing up in california <laughs> i'm i'm just saying he he's an odd dude but i think that He's the kind of guy that will disguise, yeah. like, good intent, like, you know, space exploration right. with a, fuck it, let's just do this to do it. Like, same with the electric cars. Mm-hmm. Like, that's another thing that's not very sci-fi anymore. Yeah. But the fact that you can, you know, have a car charging while you're at the supermarket. Yeah. You don't have to pay for gas. You just pay for electricity. And you're putting less emissions into the air. Mm-hmm. That's something that we couldn't have even fathomed years ago, at least to have on a consumer level. You know? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think that Elon's just done a great job of saying, hey, let's do something fun, but let's do it for science, like, you know, for mankind. Yeah. As much as people give him shit, my hat's off to him. Yeah, incredibly smart. You know, he's he's definitely, um, uh, he has good ideas, and he knows what he's talking about in a lot of these things, and he has um, really, really smart, young people working for him he, mm-hmm. he's not i don't think he's very into the employment of uh um old old age uh scientists and physicists engineers th- those kinds of things not to say that those people aren't capable of of participating in the things no. that he's doing i think he just wants a kind of a younger perspective on mm. where you know our future is headed yeah uh Another thing I want to get to, it's going to take us off topic uh, quite a bit. Let's do it. I did all these research, or all this research on these these technologies here. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a deep fake? I've not. Educate me. So a deep fake is going to be something that blows your mind. Okay. uh, I'm ready. It really messed up uh, our friend Connor when I showed him the other night. Okay. When I was doing my research. A deep fake uses AI machine learning technologies to overlay someone's face over a video so let me explain oh this is that porn thing so yeah (laughs) i've heard about this where they'll take a celebrity's face and like digitize it onto like some model or actress or something yep that's exactly where it started yeah but but it's gotten freaky like in terms of how good it's been right like it's not just look-alike stuff now yeah it's gotten ridiculous. I know one of the most famous videos is Jordan Peele. Yeah. And he speaks because, like, he does an Obama impersonations. Right. And they have Obama reading his script, and they have the faces side by side. Oh, Obama's that's face in the White House in, like, a presidential-looking address room yeah, yeah. is mimicking his movement, his expression, Whoa. his voice. And uh, they've done this a ridiculous amount. They, I've seen examples with Vladimir Putin. Hillary Clinton, and then even people, uh, a fan favorite thing to do is put Nick Cage's face over popular movie scenes. <laughs> so they have Nick I've C- seen that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So they have like Nick Cage playing uh, Tommy Wiseau yeah. in, uh, in the room or like in all of the, you know, The Hobbit or something. But realistically, it's difficult for the government uh, and other world organizations to pinpoint a really good deep fake. So yeah. it's difficult to have evidence that uh, something is fake if the deep fake is really good. So, like, if if uh, if Alex Jones had like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going there. <laughs> um, if Alex Jones had a a really good um, graphic designer, or like someone who like knows how the I don't know if a graphic designer would be the person, but someone who knows this kind of technology well, he. 
could es- or anyone could essentially like well, you 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 could put anybody's face on something in an attempt to kind of prove or like show evidence of or you would be falsifying but exactly but yeah but there are deep fakes that are so good that it's difficult to even can't tell yeah can't tell so i mean picture something on, on a small scale right yeah back at the, the the high school i used to go to this uh there were a group of of kids that sent a, a snapchat mm. to uh one of the uh the black kids at school mm-hmm. and you can guess what word they were saying over and over again, because because this this is a predominantly Caucasian community, correct? Very much so. Okay, yes. Then I I'm I'm sure we we all know what the word you're, you're talking yeah. about is. So so they said that uh-huh. and they got uh, expelled or suspended for it. They got punished for it. Okay. But imagine if they had taken that video mm-hmm. and they had deep faked because it, it was it was high enough quality and they deep faked someone else's face onto it. Oh. So let's say. Or Defamation. Someone, yeah, someone's face or voice or even, you know, you have uh, like a significant other. Right. You want to you know, break up a relationship. You can deep fake, you know, uh, one of your friend's faces on uh, your significant other or something. You, you can do some crazy shit with this. I, I was, was watching a Bloomberg video where wow. they were talking about potential applications, but not even on an international scale because there, there are applications there, yeah. but on a small scale where you don't have the FBI trying to debunk it. Yeah, that's dude, that's crazy. That's So to put this into simpler terms, you, you basically can take – so you can have a, a, a person or you can have one, one video. Like let's say it's a video of me skateboarding or something. Yeah. Not that I skateboard, I I don't. I yeah. would fall and crack my head. But uh like a video of me skateboarding, and then you could essentially insert your own face onto my face and it would look completely real. You you'd look big, dude. You know, like yeah, you, yeah, you upgrade <laughs> yeah. upgrade, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I wish. maybe maybe I have to get into this. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, this could be a huge tool for Instagram models. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But so, so not even that. So, so what happens is the uh, deep fakes are, are made up of two different types of video. One's the source video. So that would be the video of you skateboarding. You just need any clip that you want to overlay something on. Right, so it yeah. could be you and I sitting in this room and a video of you just talking, walking around, whatever right. it may be. Uh-huh. For example, the source footage for the, those Nick Cage things are just the movies. Yeah, okay. Then what you do is you feed thousands and thousands of videos and images mm-hmm. through this AI learning software, which is open domain to anyone can use it. Really? Yeah, so anyone can get this as long as they have the, the ability to scour for the source footage. Wow. And then the program itself will uh, draw these little dots on the, on the movie character or you know source footage's face. Right, yeah. And it will overlay images that match up to it, like certain expressions or certain skin tones in different lights and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and make it look flawless. And the more footage you give it and the higher quality footage, the more like impeccable it looks. So Mm. it can get really, really intense, but it can also look awful. So it's it's another one of these technology things that can be abused pretty quickly, man. Exactly. You can make some pretty solid memes out of it. Oh, yeah. You could also cause some huge international problems with it. (laughs) It's like (laughs) the the, the crazy thing to me is that 
it was some, you know, some guys that, that said, fuck it. I want to see, I, I want to make some porn here. <laughs> I want to make some convincing porn. And now, like, maybe 25 years later, it can be, like, Kim Jong-un seeing his face on, like, you know, some sort of baby or, like, saying something totally different. And yeah. he'd be like, fuck it. I'm nuking the U.S. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 definitely weird that that uh that that that's that is, its origin is in that that world, but um yeah, it's that's that's some talk that's, about evolution of a of a piece of technology. There. Yeah, that that is that's something else, man. I I don't even know what I I I to be honest with you, I couldn't even fathom it until I first heard about it. Like I had never that had never even like cross my mind because that's just photoshop to me yeah but like you can't i never knew that you could photoshop a video like that you know i knew that you could like you could put squidward like a video of you dancing you could put squidward next to you yeah (laughs) but you can't (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) you can't like well you can now yeah well i mean we live in a world we live in a society (laughs) uh (laughs) but but we live in a day and age where between photoshop uh, you know, deep fakes for video now and, uh, you know, certain uh, facets of graphic design and CGI. Uh, and not even to mention there's audio software that can make, that can manipulate voice recordings. Yeah. Uh, again, Jordan Peele is featured on this. And they took an acceptance speech uh, where he said that something along the lines of he found out he got the award, he woke up, he kissed right. his wife, yeah. and then he kissed his dog. And... Uh, <laughs> They said, okay, well, let's make him look like a worse husband by taking that voice thing uh-huh. and making it look like he just kissed his dog and took out his wife. Uh, uh-huh. Or, like, made, like, a, this long pause. So it says, oh, I kissed my dog and then my wife. And they can manipulate your voice and your intonation oh. to falsify stuff like that. What kind of dogs does Obama have? I don't know. I don't think it was Obama. I think it was it was actually Jordan. Oh, Peele. Jordan Peele's dogs. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Like, like, like <laughs> at, at an awards show or something like that. Like it was like his acceptance. Speech, oh, gotcha. I believe. Okay. But uh, here here's the one Achilles heel with all the stuff that we've just been talking about. I think that we live at a time where there's so much information and multiple mm-hmm. camera angles and people verifying information. Yeah. That if you have one falsified video, there's gonna be someone somewhere else that has another video from another angle that can tell, you know, tell you that you're, like, call your bluff, you know, call yeah. bullshit. And so I think that it's difficult for this type of technology to have an effect like that, if that makes sense. For sure. It definitely does. All right. So I've got one last one for you, Max. And uh, let's do it. This one is going to have a lot more of a long-term implication, uh, I think. And we're, it's less sci-fi, but more worldly. Uh, I'm pulling up uh, an article. It's from uh, climatecouncil.org.au. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it pretty much talks about 11 countries leading the charge on renewable energy, uh, mostly to talk about Iceland. And Iceland is the first country that is 100% renewable. It's a weird place. Uh, it's it's very odd, but they are literally the perfect landscape for renewable energy. They have, I believe, 87% of it is water or hydro. Okay, that makes sense. And then they have 13 or 17, something like that. Uh, the numbers are a little bit off. 
but the rest of it's geothermal because they're known for their glaciers and their uh, active, you know, like mountain ranges, and they have a large amount of geothermal energy available to them. Yeah. So as of right now, 100% renewable. Yeah, Iceland is one of the biggest uh, centers for geological study in the world because it's um, it's all created, like you said, by geothermal. Um, uh, I'm not a geologist, but yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna simplify this into my own terms and say uh-huh. underwater volcanoes created these islands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's the premise. I mean, we we have we have no training, but we do have insight. Yeah. Uh, the other thing too is that it's not just Iceland. It's not just them being an example. Right. There are other countries that are leading the charge and. Uh, making waves with stuff like this. I believe Costa Rica is at 99% right now of all places. Mm. Granted, their population is small, but for a country that uh, is still, you know, looking to uh, preserve their natural resources right, and, yeah. you know, is a large tourist location, being at 99% renewable energy is stellar, but it's totally different. Yeah. Uh, Taking believe- Pura Vida to the next level. I believe, yeah, uh, for Costa Rica, 95% is hydro. So it's almost all hydro. And this and is another uh, country with a lot of uh, um, ocean access as yeah. well. Yeah. And and there's there's that. I know Sweden says by 2040 mm. they're looking to be 100% renewable and eliminate all fossil fuel use in the country. Those Norwegian countries. Uh, it looks or like not, Nicaragua's not up Norwegian, there. Norwegian, Scandinavian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Scotland, uh, some other uh, Latin countries, even Germany is uh, is relatively progressive with this. What other Latin countries are uh, are included in this? Uh, Uruguay. Oh. Uh, Denmark's in there, and even uh, uh, I know it's, it's not Latin. <laughs> I'm just going down the list. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, even China is uh, based, uh, like, compared to the size of their population, yeah. is relatively dependent on uh, energy, which is uh, solar and other types of renewable energy. Yeah, dude, you can't power a billion people without <laughs> accessing something other than fossil fuel. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Kenya's on that list, too. Uh, wow. And then the, the main thing I want to talk about, too, is is naturally being from the U.S., the mm-hmm. U.S.'s role in all of this. Mm-hmm. And it, it might it was surprising to me to find out but one of the leading states yeah in uh, reusable energy is texas yeah why texas. would that surprise you because y- you think that texas is very uh conservative opposed to you know the the resource change especially because of the roots in the coal industry down there uh and whatnot the um well i mean the oil, the oil industry and the fossil fuel industry in Texas is still very much there. Yes, I agree. But at the same time, the fact that renewable energy is occurring in Texas uh, side by side with the oil industry, it doesn't affect their bottom line. Because te- <laughs> trust me, if if those old old Texas tycoons had problems with, with what was going on, they would change it. It must not be affecting their bottom line. Yeah, well, <laughs> or they have no say in it. I mean, the other thing too is that is that Texas, from what I've read briefly, is the perfect storm for uh, this kind of solar uh, energy because you know they get so much sunlight, even yeah. even wind because yeah. they have largely flat areas too, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, other people are looking to uh, lead the charge on that, but 
of, of all people, Texas. Uh, I thought that was a little surprising. You'd think that it would be someplace like maybe a Maine or a Vermont, and they'd go on, on hydro, <laughs> you know, you know, someplace where they're they're a little bit more conscious of the environment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stuff, even like maybe like Colorado, well, California. I mean, Iowa, I believe Iowa is one of the uh, largest centers for wind energy in the United States. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and a lot of the West has uh, wind turbines now. They're they're not necessarily powering the entire state, um, and I think that's what uh, you're saying here is separating um, uh, Texas kind of from the pack and the fact that they're getting a lot of use out of this renewable energy. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing is uh, I know when I went to Indianapolis over the summer, I drove from Chicago down to Indy, right, and the kind of the southern Midwest, if you can picture that. So mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, southern Illinois, uh, looking that kind of area. Yeah. It was one of the most beautiful things to see, to go through fields, right? Yeah. And to have over the hills, see these wind turbines just start popping up. And you're going wow. around and they're all spinning at the, like almost the exact same time and the same rate because the wind's constant. And you're driving down and like the wind is on your car and, you, and everything's just quiet. And if you get close, you hear the... The, the whoop whoop of the of the propeller spinning too yeah, because the turbine, yeah. it's it's really really mind boggling to see them especially because of their size in relation to other sources of energy that we get huge yeah huge but that is just it's something that I don't think people think about till they're directly affected because like being from metropolitan ish areas yeah we don't see wind turbines anywhere near you know Chicago or you know anywhere in uh, like metropolitan Michigan. Yeah. Um, I think it, uh, d- how did, how did it feel? Did you feel like you were in the future when you're driving through this countryside that would normally be untouched farmland, but there's wind turbines in it, you know, to be honest with you, it felt like, y- you know, like when Guardians of the Galaxy two, like, <laughs> oh, we're going here now. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna make a large stretch here. It's a great movie. <laughs> the, you, you know the intro where they're driving through like 70s, like yeah. you know, America, and they're going through all the farmland. Mr. Blue Skies blaring. Yeah. yeah, it felt like that, except oh, no. if you had Brandy. these. If yeah, yeah. Brandy. Yeah, uh, but it felt like that. Except you had these imposing, futuristic, I mean, skyscraper-esque propellers spinning yeah. all around you. It felt like, I mean, if you were, it's so odd because farming in general is such a, you know, historic you know, piece of labor and part of U.S. history and world history. Yeah. But to have it modernized like this where someone's taking a plot of land mm-hmm. and putting, you know, a propeller up right. and making an agreement saying, hey, you can have this, you know, this little piece of my land, but give me a little bit of the profit here. Right. That's wild to me. Mm-hmm. Even uh, uh, back where my aunt lives, where she lives in rural Illinois, right? Uh, they're having solar farms in the middle of rural Illinois and farmland area. Yes. So it's it's wild to see that on top of food and sustainable farming, we're yeah. resource farming as well, and it takes up that same facet of land. You know. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's definitely interesting how kind of we're at this unique crossroads between. You know, what we've been talking about throughout most of this podcast is um, this weird crossroads where we're between kind of like the, I don't want to say the old world, but um, kind of a world where we function with uh, technology as almost an assistant. 
Yeah. Whereas now we're we're moving towards a world where we are going to be working side by side with technology. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's been formerly a convenience for us. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking towards a, a codependence. Yeah. Almost. Yes. And that's my that's my thesis with all of this. Then yeah, dude, uh, senior paper, put it together. But I, I do think that's a a good note to to wrap things up on is that thought that. I mean, as you see with these massive wind turbines, that you're seeing old America that's been the same way since, you know, being, uh, you know, we, we came here. Yeah. You see these massive sprawling farmlands. And, you know, aside from maybe farming technology, like, uh, you know, the machines that used to ease harvest and maintenance and watering. Right. Uh, you're seeing now that there's something new that we're farming for. We're farming for wind and sun. We're trying to take the elements and, you know, control them. Yeah. Some Avatar The Last Airbender shit right there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, I do think that might be the takeaway. Maybe we can apply that to every single thing we've talked about today. We're kind of taking something that we've taken for granted, you know. Right. Uh, video, which has been around, and, and photo, which has, have been around for a hundred years mm-hmm. we're taking things like again farming moving it to space now yeah we're taking uh we're taking things like you know gene editing which is something as old as humans itself is just giving birth and reproduction right and we're modernizing it we're toying with it we're improving upon it we're playing god <laughs> yes <laughs> i i think i think you can argue that in a way that yes we are but uh, no, that to me that is just mind-boggling, and I, I don't think it's gonna stop anytime soon. Yeah, I think that you know we may not all eventually be chipped, but right. we'll be seeing more of this kind of stuff become parts of everyday life. Because there was one point where wind turbines were revolutionary. Mm-hmm. You know, they were small scale, but now for the people that live in you know those farmlands where they're popping up or near solar farms, it's yeah. just a way of life for them. Mm-hmm. I think that we're gonna see more of that. With everything. Definitely. We are we're getting closer and closer to this kind of, as you said, almost a codependence yeah, between right. humans and technology. And uh, the, the need for us to use it to improve our own lives um, and, uh, and to kind of change, change the world around us. Yeah, it's almost like technology is now the, you know, the fifth element here. We're using it to... In a way, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the top of the hour for us, Max. This has been a pleasure. It It has been. Now, hopefully, uh, I mean, we plan to keep this momentum going. Yeah. And uh, bring something totally new next week. Yeah, we'll do something completely different and completely unrelated to this topic. Oh, depends on where our tangents take us, you know, and... Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's been a good, good first episode of the podcast, man. Yeah, we'll see if Elon Musk po- pops back up next week. Yeah, or, right. You no know, yeah. Velociraptor kids or something like that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but until then, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Adios. Bye.